Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, September 22nd. Only five regular season podcasts left. Let's finish strong here. Frank Stample joined as always by Scott White, who is in a new location. Scott, it's like we're playing house roulette nowadays. How you doing? What's going on? Where are you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm back in my in-laws' house like I was a few weeks ago. The internet at home failing me again. So... So it's, a, it's a real blow to the idea of self-sufficiency, Frank. I'm feeling slightly emasculated, constantly having to uh, to to go to my in-laws and say, "Can I use your internet?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and stay up really late in your house. Yeah, well, that's where I am now. I, I would call out my internet company, but I will I will I will not. I will right. not do that. I will spare them the embarrassment. Okay, we're, we're too classy for that. But if you're <laughs> listening, whatever internet provider Scott has, do you realize who we're dealing with here? I mean, this is a big deal. It Come is. on, let's get it together here. But it's a big I, deal. I do know the feeling. I've, I've had my internet blow out a few times. I've had to walk up the block to my in-laws. So I'm right there with you, Scotty. Uh, I think we've all been there. Today on the show, we have a few... Last second waiver wire moves that you might want to make. I have some hitters, some pitchers that we'll talk about. Of course, uh, next week is the final week of the season. So some final lineup decisions you might need to make some starter sit. We had a bunch of pitchers go the past couple days that I do want to talk to Scott about. Uh, one that I am a little bit worried about. Do we throw him in there? He's He's been a mainstay in our lineups all season long. But let's talk about Shane Boz and this debut because on Monday... The kid was awesome going up against the Toronto Blue Jays. Five innings, two runs, zero walks, five strikeouts. He had 15 swinging strikes on only 65 pitches. So to me, that's the blemish, right? Is that the Rays were kind of the Rays here. They only let him throw 65 pitches, but he was awesome in those 65 pitches. Three pitch mix, 45% fastball, 40% slider, 15% curveball. He averaged right around 97 miles per hour with that fastball, one that he struck out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on in his first inning of work, 99-mile-per-hour fastball up in the zone. He looked great, Scott. And I think even bigger news is that Michael Waka pitched out of the bullpen on Tuesday. He threw three innings in relief, and if that's the case, I haven't seen anything yet regarding the rotation, but if that if that stays, then I think we're back to a five-man rotation, and Shane Boz might have a second start this week against the Marlins. So what did you see in the Mm -hmm. debut? What do you think actually happens here with the rotation? Well, I don't think we're going to know until it happens. The Rays, uh, you know, it's like they're managed by Bill Belichick. They just, they don't tell us anything. They don't give us forewarning, especially with regard to their pitching staff. So uh, I I don't think, I don't think we're going to know Shane Boz's start, whether he's starting Sunday until maybe Saturday. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the thinking, the reason why I wasn't interested in starting him for his major league debut is because I, I really wasn't counting on him getting a second start because I figured, you know, Waka's been halfway decent. All, everyone in the rotation had been halfway decent. I didn't think any of them deserved to lose their job. I thought 
They'd want to give them all rest heading into the postseason, extra rest. So why not just go six man? And maybe they'll insert somebody else to keep them spaced out, you know? Um, but the fact of the matter is he got a win. Shane Boz got a win. The The Rays rallied from down two runs, I believe, in the, uh, you know, just before Shane Boz exited. So he, he managed to come away with the win and allowed only two base runners. They were both home runs, but still low whip, fine ERA, and he got a win for you. So I, I, regardless of whether he makes that second start, I would say um, he, he delivered about as much as you could hope for because I, most of all, I was suspicious that the Rays would let him go beyond five innings, and they didn't. He certainly could have, having only thrown 65 pitches. But uh, you got as much as you could have hoped for. And if he makes a second start, then you know it's 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 obviously going to be a big win for you. I guess it's possible the Marlins knock him around in that start, but I I doubt it because he looked awesome. <laughs> he looked awesome. You mentioned the fifteen swinging strikes on just sixty five pitches, high spin rate on everything. That fastball, you know, he was getting hitters to swing under it up in the zone. The slider looked nasty. It was responsible for ten of his fifteen swinging strikes. And um, he looked like somebody who you could call the best, best pitching prospect in baseball. One of the two home runs he gave up to Teoscar Hernandez, I don't even know how he made contact with it. It was, it was one of those high fastballs, and somehow he, he managed to, to, to catch up to it up in the zone. Uh, but Boz looked amazing. Um, if he does start against the Marlins to end the week, uh, let me double check what his mat who his matchup would be again. Then in the final week, it would be at the Yankees. At the Yankees, so still not a great matchup, but better than Houston. Uh, it's you know we'll we'll see what happens, but I I think it's possible you you might consider starting him next week. I I still go back to the idea between the majors and the minors, he's only made one six inning start all year. So uh, you know, as a general rule, I don't like starting guys who I feel like have no chance of a quality start. Just because how much can they possibly do for you? But it's it's at least in the discussion for Shane Boz after that debut. You don't like pitchers who can't give you a quality start, Scott. I mean, that disqualifies like 75% of the pitcher pool, if we're being honest, right? Well, you're exaggerating. <laughs> I, not that they have to give me a quality start even the majority of the time, but at least has to be a possibility. If you know they're, they just have no chance of it, then um, I don't know. I feel like except in very specific circumstances. You're kind of wasting your time. So Boz is 37% rostered. It feels weird to call anyone a must-add at this point in the season, but let's say you play in a daily lineup league, Scott. Would you consider Shane Boz a must-add just on that possibility that he faces the Marlins later this week and then faces the Yankees, I guess, next week? I don't know that i call it a must-add. Um, it's a pretty good idea to add him, though. <laughs> I'll say that. Yep. And I think a few pitchers you can drop just based on what we've seen uh, recently out of them. Vladimir Gutierrez has now failed to complete four innings in four of his last five starts. I know he faces the Pirates next week, but I just can't play him the way that he's pitching right now. And the same thing with Jesus Lazardo. Kind of looked like we had something there for a few starts, but has now made 10 starts with the Marlins. He's got an ERA over seven and a 1.71 whip. So uh, if you are... Yeah, he started he started mixing in the fastball again. He kind of got away from really emphasizing the curve and, and change up. Or was it a slider? A breaking ball in the changeup. 
uh, Lazardo was emphasizing. And when he, when he had that interesting three start stretch, um, yeah, I'm not sure he's going to be, you're going to want to use him again. And I agree, Vladimir Gutierrez, he's about to make his third straight start against the Pirates next week. So actually, does he have, he has another start later this week, right? Yep, he does. But the point is, his last two starts have come against the Pirates, and they were both awful. And so it doesn't, I'm not sure it even matters that he's facing the Pirates next week, you know? Yeah, I mean, for Lazardo, it seems like in starts where he doesn't have a feel for that, either the breaking pitch or change, or maybe both of them, he just doesn't have a choice but to go to his fastball and sinker. So uh, those are the starts where he gets in trouble because he really, you know, for someone who had great control in the minors, he just really has not had good control, you know, mostly since returning from uh, breaking his hand earlier in the year. But it's it's been a weird, a weird kind of road for Lazardo trajectory, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what to expect going into next year when it comes to Jesus Lazardo. Let's talk about a few standouts from the past couple of days. Oh my goodness. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott. I gave you about a nine minute buffer here to figure out who you wanted to talk about. Who you got? I think I kind of want to talk about Adam Duvall because I don't feel like we've talked about him very much. He homered for the eighth time this month on Monday. And he, he finally did take an over offer on Tuesday, but he had hit safely in every game in September prior to that with, with eight home runs, as I mentioned for the season, he's at 37 home runs. He's at 107 RBI. And yet his on-base percentage is below 300. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was Matt Snyder, our own Matt Snyder, who tweeted this out yesterday. Yeah, no player has ever gotten to 40 home runs and 100 RBI with a sub-300 OBP. No player in history has done that. Some have come close, but nobody's technically gotten there. Now, now, Duvall's already there with the RBI. 37 home runs. Could he hit three home runs the rest of the way? Yeah, that's certainly within the realm of possibility. It's not a guarantee. But he could become the first player to achieve that unlikely stat line. And it's just, I don't think he's gotten enough credit for how useful he's been in fantasy because there, he does an OPP that low. I mean, it's it's hard to appreciate a guy like that. And, and you look at, you know, low batting average potential, hardly ever walks. You wouldn't think he'd be as useful in fantasy as he's been. And even I know going into this week, he was only about 75% rostered in CBS sports leagues. Um, but he's been, you know, he's been very useful. He's been much better than I think people realize much more useful than I think people realize. And while there, I know there's like a ridiculous percentage of his home runs have come with runners on base. And so that's obviously affected the RBI total. And is that replicable? Probably not. But I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate Adam Duvall during what's been his best month of the season in the best season of his career. You know, it's crazy. I'm looking up his rank on Roto in Roto this year. He is the 47th overall player. Yep. He just he has randomly has five steals, zero caught stealing. So I don't know if that's just been he's picking the spots or he's part of a double steal, whatever it might be, but two thirty one batting average, thirty seven homers, one hundred and seven RBI. I mean, that is just 
astounding. Every time I see Duvall's home run and RBI count, it is just, it is crazy, especially compared to his 65 runs scored. So, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's been a ridiculous, awesome season for uh, Adam Duvall, who is, he's still... 76% rostered. He's got six home games next week, so maybe he's floating around in some shallower leagues, but my guess is uh, anyone who's actually paying attention and playing at this point, he's probably not available in those leagues. Oh my goodness gracious for me, Kevin Gosman. He is uh, He's kind of limping to the finish line here, and he pitched on Tuesday, gave up four runs on nine hits over four innings pitched against the San Diego Padres, and in 13 second-half starts, he has a 5.05 ERA, Someone who's been in our lineups all season long. Looks like he's in line for two starts next week versus the Diamondbacks versus the Padres. And you know, I just looked into his second half right before we started because admittedly, I haven't given it close enough attention. I, I don't have Kevin Galsman on any of my fantasy teams this year. He's got a very high BABIP in the second half. The walk rate looks fine. He's got a 3.24 XFIP. This is entering Tuesday, so Tuesday's not included yet. Versus 3.31 XFIP in the first half. So based on the underlying numbers, Gosman has actually pitched better in the second half than the first half, which just really kind of surprised me here. So, uh, Scott, are you leaving him in the lineup with everything on the line the final week of the season, given how bad or unlucky Gosman has been in the second half? Yeah, I mean, I'm generally not in favor of doing these kind of micro dissections for pitchers I gen- generally believe in. And Gosman, I mean, the overall stat line is still ace-like. Obviously, you point out the underlying numbers, they're still ace-like. Uh, his last two starts, both against the Padres, for what it's worth, have been kind of shaky. But the previous two, three earned runs and six innings with nine strikeouts, three earned runs and seven innings with nine strikeouts. Uh, and then two starts prior to that, he had a quality start too. So there's, there's, been, there's been a lot of good with the bad. You know, it's. I, I guess you could say Gosman's second half is kind of like Aaron Nola's whole season, and I've been willing to stick with Aaron Nola. I, I would stick with Gosman as well. His he lines up for two starts next week, we think, and uh, it would be the the first would be against the Diamondbacks. The second would be against the Padres, for what it's worth. The, the team that's hit him pretty well the last two turns, but still. Two starts from a guy with those season numbers, and one of them's against the Diamondbacks. I don't, I don't really even give it a second thought. He's Gosman's sticking in my lineup. All right, keep Gosman in there for the final week of the season. And I just want to give a huge thanks to everybody who is still listening, watching us on YouTube at this point in the season. If we've helped you make it to your finals, or you're near the top of your standings in Roto, or if you've just enjoyed listening to us all season long, feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple for both Fantasy Baseball Today and Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. If you do consume our shorter podcast, it is much uh, appreciated as always. News and notes, Chris Bassett will indeed return on Thursday and start against the Seattle Mariners. He is 76% rostered and 14% started. James Caprillion is moving back to the bullpen. I asked you the other day, Scott, you said you wouldn't throw Bassett back out there if you play in a daily lineup league, right? No, not for the first start back. He hasn't been able to have any kind of rehab assignment. And um, I just think it's, I, I just think it's too risky, but I do think he's worth picking up where he's available. And I'm, I assume he was dropped in some leagues. Well, obviously he was because his roster rate is below 80%, but uh, it's worth picking him up because 
you know, if, if things go fine in this first turn, he'll be scheduled to face the Mariners again in the final week of the season. And it'll be more stretched out and a pretty good chance. He'll give you a quality start because he was a must start pitcher before the injury. Carlos Rodon reported more soreness after his start on Monday. He needed 69 pitches to get through just three innings against the Detroit Tigers. Apparently, he will make another start, and that will come next Wednesday against the Cincinnati Reds. And oh, that got, that got confirmed because LaRusso was saying probably not after the start. Uh, I believe that was a news item that came out on Tuesday. I'm pulling up his pe- player page on CBS, but it was something that I read. So 12 hours ago... And we're recording this uh, right around 1 a.m. on uh, Wednesday morning. Rodon is expected to make his next start September 29th against the Red, the Reds. Uh, Maddie, okay. Maddie Lee of NBC Sports Chicago reports. So it sounds okay. like that is going to happen. Uh, but, I mean, he's been a shell of his former self. And um, he's, yeah. averaging, he's averaging 93.6 miles per hour on his fastball through three mm-hmm. September starts compared to 95.6 miles per hour for the season. So he's down two miles per hour on the fastball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it even makes sense to hold on to him, Scott, or I know we will talk about this a little bit later on. You wrote an article about the best pitchers to stash for the final week of the season. Should we drop Rodon for potentially one of those names for next I week? Think it's, I think it's okay, too. They're, I'd be surprised. Uh, they, they haven't been working. The, the, the biggest issue for Rodon... You know, inning for inning, he's been pretty effective. It's just they've given him very few innings and they've spaced his starts out, basically skipping every other turn. And um, just hard to get any use out of him in fantasy that way. And then there is also that weird velocity issue that's been going on. I, th- I believe his last fastball before being coming out Monday was 89.5 miles per hour. So mm-hmm. even well below the 93, that was already disappointing. I don't really know what to make of that. Um, Larusa said it was concerning, but Rodon himself was just like, "No, nah, I'm just a little sore or whatever." Like he was, he was totally downplaying it. And the thing is, like we've seen big fluctuations in his velocity over the course of games before. He tends to gain velocity the deeper he goes into his starts, so that's kind of just a quirk of his to begin with: variable velocity on the fastball. Uh, so. You know, uh, hard to know what to make of any of it, but I think the biggest thing is, like, is this the start where he's suddenly going to throw six, seven innings? No, I doubt it. I doubt it, um, considering LaRusso was talking about skipping them all together. So I just I can't imagine using Rodon in the final week with everything going on there. Yeah, he's thrown less than 80 pitches in five of his last seven starts. So they're obviously making an effort to limit Carlos Rodon here down the stretch. I'm with you. I I would be okay dropping him for uh, someone who has a better matchup in the final week of the season. Shane Bieber will be activated from the 60-day IL to make a start later this week as long as he didn't suffer any setbacks following Tuesday's bullpen session. I searched on Twitter. I couldn't find anything regarding that. Um, Would you throw him back in the lineup if you play in daily leagues, Scott, if you've been stashing Shane Bieber, you throw him right back out there first time out. I can't see myself doing that, no. However, presuming he comes out of that start fine, he looks good, he throws, I don't know, 60-plus pitches, uh, his final start of the season would be at Texas. So he might be worth using in the final week, but I, I wouldn't be willing to run him out there 
in his very start, first start back from that long absence. And if you're wondering why Shane Bieber is even returning at all, I did find this in Zach Mizell's article on The Athletic. Quote, Bieber has stressed that a normal offseason with a customary build towards spring training is the goal. So he would prefer to make an appearance or two before the end of the MLB season to have tangible results to reference after the completion of his recovery from a shoulder strain. So that is the reasoning why. He is trying to return here. Uh, speaking of returns, Jacob DeGrom threw a 20-pitch bullpen session on Tuesday and still expects to return before the end of the season. Alrighty then, if you say so. Rays manager Kevin Cash indicated Wander Franco will be ready to return Friday against the Miami Marlins. And speaking of the Rays, Andrew Kittredge went on the IL with neck tightness on Monday. Dietrich Enns, E-N-N-S is the name there, recorded the final out for his second save on Monday, JT Chargois got the first two outs in the ninth. Do you have any idea what happens here, Scott? Oh no, it's back to back to the usual usual situation for the Rays. Ends Dietrich Ends had been been a bulk guy prior to him having this one out save. He had been a bulk reliever. His previous two appearances went four innings each. So I don't think he's stepping into the closer role here. Chargois probably been their most effective guy, but I think JP Fireisen is healthy now. Yeah. So, you know, they could turn to him some too. As is Nick Anderson. So, yeah, I, I don't think anybody's specifically is worth pursuing here. You know, obviously if you're in a deep enough league where all potential safe sources are rostered, maybe you make a play for Chargois, but in most leagues, there are better saves options out there. Cody Bellinger was placed on the IL with a left rib fracture retroactive to September 18th. Scott, give me a two to three round range where you expect Bellinger to be drafted next season on September 22nd. Uh, eight to 10. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's Look, we've said this for a lot of players, but Bellinger and Yelich are probably at the top of the list with... Uh, being the most polarizing players heading into next year because I've just got no clue. I have well, look. No clue. We we gave them both the benefit of the doubt going into this year, and I just don't know why we'd do it again. I, I don't. I, I'm not saying either one is washed. It's it's they're both young enough that they could bounce back, and especially Bellinger, he's very young. But I don't know. You'd be passing up some good, some really good players to take that gamble on them and there's a point where it's worth taking the gamble i just don't think it's going to be in the first five six rounds mm -hmm. did you know that adam azer gets angry on the football podcast whenever people say washed refer referring to a player that is no longer good he says it's washed up it's not washed well <laughs> yeah i mean i i gotta admit that was when i first heard the term it sounded like a contradiction from the more traditional washed up <laughs> So I get where he's coming from. It's kind of like goat, you know, like goat <laughs> used to be the guy who deserves the blame. Right. And then it became the greatest of all time. Like it, the opposite of how you were used to hearing it. So that, that took kind of an adjustment, a mental adjustment to these, these kids, <laughs> these kids don't know. Oh man. I, I'm reading the, uh, the urban dictionary, uh, example for washed and it's, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, MC, uh, MC Hammer is mad washed now, so that's that's uh, 
That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, it's more of a, you know, it's more of a hip term now. Come on, get with the times, Adam. Yes, Cody Bellinger, he, he's not washed yet, we don't think. Hopefully not. Clayton Kershaw will get an extra day of rest and make his next start Saturday against the Diamondbacks. A.J. Pollock will be activated off of the I.L. on Thursday. He's 58% rostered and has six home games next week. Would you be willing to add Pollock and throw him back in there for the final week? I mean, Gavin Lux has done a good job in his absence, so I don't know if Pollock just assumes everyday duty in left field again. Kind of doubt it, knowing the Dodgers, but I guess the the short answer is no. I wouldn't be willing to do that with Pollock because I, I'm i not sure how that's going to play out with the playing time. Carlos Carrasco's thumb is fine after he jammed it during his most recent start. He's expected to be back on the mound for his normal turn in the rotation against the Milwaukee Brewers. Mitch Garver returned to the Twins on Tuesday and was batting eighth in the lineup. He is 51% rostered with six games next week. But he was splitting time when he was healthy. Even if I needed a catcher's guy, and I'm just kind of like streaming catchers at this point, I don't think I would be very interested in Mitch Garver. Yeah. Certainly in one catcher leagues, it's... I don't don't see how I could pull the trigger on that either. But it'll be interesting to watch how this last week goes for him. He's somebody who's 2022 draft status, I think, is very much up in the air. I've got the catcher for next week, the streamer. Are you ready? Sure. Cabert Ruiz, five hits with five RBI over his last two games. He's 32% rostered. Six games next week, three of those are in Coors Field. Cabert Ruiz is your catcher to stream next week. Uh, was- uh, I, 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 sh- I will mention, since you brought him up, Cabert Kiebert, Kiebert, Ruiz. Um. Four multi-hit games in his last five. He's got that batting average up around 270 now, I think, but only one extra base hit during that stretch of double. So it's been a lot of singles. Just pointing that out. Yeah, I mean, hey, we got to start somewhere, Scotty. So <laughs> yeah. uh, looks good recently for Cabert Ruiz. And, and of course, we like those games in Coors Field. It was a cool moment when uh, Luis Severino pitched in relief Tuesday. He went two innings. He allowed two hits. Uh, he did have two strikeouts. It was his first time pitching in a major league game since 2019. So awesome to see there for Luis Severino. Jack Flaherty could be used in an opener role during one half of Friday's doubleheader against the Cubs. This doesn't really matter anymore this season, right? I would not plan on using Flaherty in fantasy, no. Okay. Garrett Whitlock was placed in the IL for the Red Sox with right pectoral tightness. Seth Beer will undergo surgery on his dislocated left shoulder on Thursday. A few prospect updates that I wanted to mention. Adley Rutschman ends his 21, 2021 season with a 283 batting average, 22 homers, 74 walks to 81 strikeouts between AA and AAA. And I was reading that he should be ready for an early season promotion next year with the Baltimore Orioles. So I don't, he'll be one of the top prospects drafted in redraft leagues next year. Obviously catcher position is, is pretty shallow, but yeah, it mm-hmm. was, it was a great year for, uh, for Adley Rutschman. A few other promotions I wanted to mention Max Meyer promoted to AAA by the Marlins. He's made 20 starts this year at double a 2.41 ERA one, two, three whip, uh, over a strikeout per inning. The walk's a little bit high. That's why you see that whip a little bit higher than it should be. Uh, he does get ground balls over 50% of the time. He was the first-round pick for the Marlins in last year's draft back in 2020. Again, Max Meyer is the name there. And the Yankees promoted shortstop Oswald Peraza to triple A in 107 games between high A and double A. 
Peraza was batting 297, 17 homers, 36 steals. So some power, speed, batting average. Someone I know the Welsh is very excited about, Oswald Peraza. He is still just 21 years old. I don't know if he makes it to the majors next year. You know, maybe if you know injuries happen, something in the second half. But I think the Yankees are going to slow play him there. Anything you'd like to add on uh, Rutschman, Meyer, Peraza? I don't know that it's common that you see a legit prospect like that spend more than a full year at AAA. So anybody who's made it to AAA this year, I would expect to see at some point next year, just as a general rule. Rushman, I, yeah, I think he's on the verge of a promotion. And I've, I've kind of wondered how the Orioles are going to play at this offseason because Rushman is is on the verge of of breaking in and Grayson Rodriguez on the verge of breaking in and you know they're they're about to get some pretty big prospects up they might be they might start thinking about taking that next step i wonder this in light of john means performance on monday cuz you know part of the reason we hadn't seen as much swings and misses from him since his return from the ILs, he didn't have a great feel for his changeup and wasn't throwing it that much, but he seemed to get it back. And he's on, you know, kind of a quality start streak anyway, even without having a great use of that changeup. His ERA is in the low threes still. His whip for the season is below one. Uh, he has a losing record because he pitches for the Orioles, but I don't know. John, John Means is also going to be a guy that's interesting to rank for next season. Mm. Does John Mean? business again we will talk do about the that. orioles mean business i I, means. I hope they do i hope that they are you know they they've been the past couple of years obviously they're under a new regime i think it's the past year or two they, they kind of you know revamped everything there uh I, I do wonder if you know how aggressive they're going to be next year with some of these names rutchman grayson rodriguez dl hall is another name there too uh, just because they're still a couple of years away, so they don't have to be aggressive. Well, with you think these they're guys. a couple of years away, but I, yeah. I, I'm saying their their off season maneuvering might give us an idea into their thinking. I mean, do they? I really don't know their financial situation very well. Obviously, they don't have many. They don't have a bunch of big salaries on the books now. Do they? Do they pursue a big bat? You know, a lot of times that's the signal that uh, the franchise is ready to transition from rebuilding to contention. Like we saw the Padres do with Eric Cosmer. We saw the Nationals do with Jason Worth years ago. So it'll, it'll something to keep an eye on. I I was looking to see, oh, you know, so they they deferred his contract. Oh, man. I was looking to see how how much longer Chris Davis is, is under contract. Wow. They, uh, yeah, he's, he's under contract for a long time. Oof. Oh my! That's that's one of the biggest contracts. Oh my gosh! <laughs> this is like Bobby Bonilla all over again. Yeah. Oh my god, he's mm-hmm. gonna be getting paid over a million dollars every year until he's fifty-one years old in twenty thirty-seven. <laughs> I mean, both both sides win, right? Because if yeah. they had to pay Davis what they actually owed him these upcoming years, it, it would handcuff there ability to do the sort of move I'm talking about. So, yeah. Uh, all right. I, we've talked about the Baltimore Orioles way too long at this point in the season. I will just point out if you are an Orioles fan, much like the Mariners, obviously the Mariners are in, in even better place in terms of their, their farm system and their prospects. 
You've got a lot to be excited about. I think, you know, within the next two to three years, the Orioles are going to make some noise. They have Gunnar Henderson, Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg. Hopefully, Heston Kierstad can make it back on the field, too. But they have a very promising farm system, the the Baltimore Orioles do. We'll take a quick break. When we return, where should we add these hitters, if anywhere? We'll talk about it next on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so let's talk about some of these hitters who might be available in your league right now. Bobby Dahlbeck went two for four on Tuesday. Not like he did anything crazy, but... He's 52% rostered. He's got six games next week at the Orioles, at the Nationals. Right, we talked about this. Oh, he's in the National League Park, so they won't have the DH. But it looks like four lefties are on the schedule. So uh, this is a tough one, Scotty, because I was getting excited about Bobby Dahlbeck. But I, I really don't think it's a tough one because J.D. Martinez, Kyle Schwarber, yep. um, Alex Verdugo. Now, Schwarber Just- can play first base, which is obviously where... Dahlbeck normally plays. I'm, I'm forgetting an outfielder, right? Uh, you mentioned Verdugo. They have. JD we looked Martinez. at it. We looked at the other day, and I just didn't see a way they could keep. Yeah. Oh, this is frustrating because again, it's like you just want to start your hitters against the Orioles pitching any, any time that you can, and then you see all those lefties on the schedule. It just lines up so perfectly uh, for. Oh, Hunter Renfro. Run, oh yeah, Renfro's had a great yeah. second half too. So. Yep. All right, so uh, I think we're skipping out on Dahlbeck, right? Yep. All right, let's talk about Hunter Dozier. Back-to-back days with a home run. Very quietly, having a big September. 288 batting average, five homers, a 998 OPS. He's 34% rostered. He has triple eligibility, first, third outfield. He's got six home games next week against Cleveland, Minnesota. I don't think that he's a must-add, Scott, but is there anywhere that you would look to add Dozier? Maybe a roto league with a corner and and five outfielders? (laughs) Yeah, maybe a really deep roto league, but I don't. I mean, he's had such a bad season that this recent string of success just isn't enough to win me over. Oh, right. Let's talk about Kyle Farmer, who I think you had as one of your sleeper hitters this week. Was it this week or last week? All right. So he's off to a very nice start this week. So kudos to you, Scotty. Five hits, one homer in two games thus far. His last seven games, he's betting 370 with two home runs. He's 32% rostered. The problem only has five road games next week. Looking to add... Kyle Farmer anywhere? I am not. Three of those five games next week are at Pittsburgh. No good pitchers there. Okay. But still, I, I think 
I think in standard size leagues, you're going to be able to do better than Farmer at any of the positions where he's eligible. Except maybe if you play in a Yahoo League and he's eligible a catcher. <laughs> yeah, that would make some sense. All right, you're probably tired of hearing us talk about Frank Schwindel. No, I'm not about to talk about Frankie two hits. He only got one hit today. Oh, I mean, what is going on with that guy? It was guy? a double. Uh, it's two bags. Sheesh. Frankie two bags. I mean, live, live up to your name, will you? Uh, another name we keep talking about is Lane Thomas, but he is he is an unsung hero in fantasy baseball right now. Two for four with a home run on Monday. He did go 0 for four on Tuesday, but swiped another bag, and he has played 34 games with Washington, 294 batting average, six homers, three steals. He's got six games next week. Three of those are in Coors Field. I, I want him, Scott. I want Lane Thomas. The way that he is playing since he's joined this team, three games in cores. Yes, I, I think even even in three outfielder leagues, if you're just kind of streaming outfield, yeah, yeah, give me Lane Thomas. It, you'd ha- it'd have to be a pretty glaring need in a three outfielder league, I think. But this will probably be the first week where I relent and put Lane Thomas in my ten sleeper hitters. I could see yes. that happening with that series at Coors Field because he has had a great month of September. I just banged my funny bones, guys. <laughs> uh, my hand is like going crazy right now. It's on fire. Uh, all right. I'm going to bring up Cabert Ruiz again. Uh, who would you rather have between Cabert Ruiz or Dalton Varsho for next week? <laughs> I'd rather have Varsho. You probably want me to talk longer about it than that. My arm is on fire. <laughs> what is I mean, happening? It- until we see uh, Ruiz showing some kind of power in the major, I mean, Varsha's just so interesting. Even when he's not hitting for average, he he does enough damage in, in, a, in a wide enough variety of ways that the production is, at least for the past couple months, it's been worthwhile pretty much every week. So, yeah, Varsha would be the choice for me. I think that is the hardest I've ever hit my funny bone in my life, Scott. No exaggeration. Like my, I didn't hear it. My two, my like my two fingers on my right hand right now are numb. They they're like on fire. I've never felt this before. It's <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe you I, know how like maybe you I ever wake something. up in the middle of the night because your legs asleep, like your oh, whole leg. Yeah, and it, and like the thought goes through your mind every time. Like it's not going to get the feeling back this time, right? Like I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to go in and amputate. This is it for my leg. You, like you have those like few seconds of panic, and then of course the feeling comes back. But it's like. It's never less than terrifying, at least in my experience. Oh man, yeah, this is <laughs> this is a lot like that. This is this is a rough one. All right, let, let's get back on track here. Jesus Sanchez hit another home run on Monday. He now has seven home runs in eighteen September games. He's thirty four percent rostered. Seven games in the final week of the season for the Marlins. So five outfielder leagues. If you're chasing power, I think you get Jesus Sanchez in there. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. I'm surprised his OPS is over 800, considering you know it's it's kind of that it's kind of that Adam Dun, uh, Duvall profile of low batting average and and low OBP, lower OBP. But with the power surge he's been on lately, that OPS has climbed to a point that you know it's justifiable, I think, to use uh, Jesus Sanchez. Now I doubt the matchups are going to be very good because it's at the Mets for four and against the, uh, the Phillies for three, two rotations with some good pitchers in them, but we'll, we'll see when we actually line up the names. All right. Uh, another name that we talk about a lot, Yoshi Sutsugo just keeps on going two for four. Uh, I believe that came on Monday with his eighth home run in 32 games with the pirates. 
He's 7% rostered. He has six home games next week against the Reds and the Cubs. I, I don't think we're going any anywhere shallower than 12-team Roto, corner, five outfielder. He has that dual eligibility. But, I mean, if you're just looking for a name to stream that's hot right now, it's it's Yoshi Sutsugo. I know. I know. Uh, Cubs and Reds are his matchups for next week. Yep. Did you mention that already? Yes, I did. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> now he's been uh, of the hot players you've mentioned here. Tsutsuko's been the hottest. His numbers are the best, and we haven't talked about him that much. Um, but he just keeps doing it. How about this? Uh, all right, so I mentioned already what he's done since he's joined Pittsburgh, but he's severely lowered the strikeout rate. It's twenty percent strikeout rate, thirteen percent walk rate during that stretch, a 53% fly ball rate. So, I mean, that's probably more fly balls than we want to see, but he is making contact, putting the ball in the air, 23% home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, he's got a 90-mile-per-hour average exit velocity with the Pirates as well. So that's a good recipe, not striking out, putting the ball in the air, and hitting it hard. Uh, you're you're, you're going to get some home runs here over the final two weeks from Yoshi Sutsugo. Uh, I think a 12-team roto again, or any, any league that's that size it's you know corner five outfielders i think you can get yoshi sutsugo on there last one i wanted to mention nick gordon crazy game on tuesday sock in a shoe third homer ninth steal of the season of course he is the he's the brother of d gordon right brother or cousin i think brother 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 okay yeah so uh nick gordon he's playing now for the twins they obviously don't have a lot going on over there he's uh three percent rostered he's got six games next week looking to add nick gordon anywhere scott how consistent? I forgot to check this. How consistently is he playing? I will pull that up, but I believe he's been playing pretty consistently for them. All right, so he has started two, four, six, six of the last seven games for the Twins. Scott, you muted yourself in case you're trying to talk. You did that on on Streamyard. There's like a little mute button. There you go. He's back. Yes. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, no, he's been a good source. Of, so if you need steel cell, if you're trying to catch up in that category and just need to throw as many base dealers in your lineup as you can, I could see using Gordon in that scenario. Um, he wasn't a great hitter in the minor. He, I've noticed he actually does hit the ball pretty hard, but a ton of ground balls. He's kind of, he kind of sells out for infield singles. As I- as many speedsters used to do. Scott, I also think that you somehow disconnected your mic uh, either from your computer or you did it on StreamYard. So I guess hit that cam slash mic button and make sure that you're all you're all good there to go. Uh, but I, in the meantime, I will talk about some of the pitchers to stash that you wrote an article about for next week. And three that pitched on Tuesday, Tyler Anderson, uh, either Monday or Tuesday. Tyler Anderson, seven innings, one run, had seven strikeouts. And he is home versus the Angels next week. They've really struggled in the second half. He's only 40% rostered. Jordan Montgomery against the Texas Rangers on Tuesday. Five and two-thirds, one run, had six strikeouts. He is in line for two starts next week at Toronto and versus the Rays. Uh, And then Antonio Sensatella wasn't great against the Dodgers. Uh, He was at home in Coors Field. Six innings, four runs. But he is at the Diamondbacks next week and he's 30% rostered. So three names there. We have a few others that we could talk about. How are we doing, Scotty? How's the mic sound? I don't know. You tell me. Am I it, back? 
No, it still sounds like you're coming through your computer or something. So uh, it sounds oh a little hollow, echoey. So we uh, we'll figure that out. I'll mention some of these other names that are on your your article. All right. Yeah, right. Yes, you're back. You're back. Okay. All right. So All right. Tyler Anderson, I mentioned Jordan Montgomery, I mentioned Senzatella, uh, and then there's a bunch of other names that you mentioned in this article: Joe Ryan, Alex Cobb, Cole Irvin, Carlos Carrasco. Tyler McGill is kind of scary, but he's going up against the Marlins. So talk about all of them. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, the idea here obviously isn't that you have to start all these guys. The idea is that if you're going, if you or your opponent, I'm thinking specifically for like a head to head scenario where it's just you and one other person, the final week, if, if either of you is going to go after a pitcher on the waiver wire, from what I can tell this early, this, this far ahead of time, these would be the pitchers to go after. So, and, and obviously there's no reason to hold on to any players beyond next week. So you can be, you can feel freer to drop certain players that you may have felt obligated to hold on to otherwise in order to pick up these pitchers. Because even if you don't necessarily want to start these pitchers, it keeps your opponent from starting them against you. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Joe Ryan with the matchups against the Tigers and at the Royals, that's obviously the best one. Uh, Alex Cobb, we talked about how we didn't want to start him against the Astros this week, his start coming up, but at Texas next week, when he'll have built up even more because it'll be his third start back from the IL, I think Alex Cobb's a great option. Um, let's see. Yeah, Senzatella is a little further down the list, but prior to this start against the Dodgers, Senzatella had put together seven straight quality starts. And it's easy to dismiss him because he pitches for the Rockies and he doesn't get any strikeouts, but he is dominated in the other two ways, high ground ball rate, the other two legs of the fifth triangle with a high ground ball rate and an elite walk rate as well. So I don't think it's a total fluke that he had all those quality starts and you could certainly give him a pass for a start against the Dodgers in Coors Field at Arizona the final week. Yeah, I think Sensatella is interesting enough. Um, you know, two start options, Cole Irvin at Seattle at Houston. Those are bipolar matchups, obviously, but generally speaking, two are better than one. And uh, Jordan Montgomery's, you know, 80% rostered. And the matchups aren't that great, but I still think for I still think he's undervalued at 80% rostered. He's been reliable. He misses a lot of bats. And with two starts there, I think he should be started for somebody in the final week if if he happens to be available in your league. I have a few other names here. Uh, I'll just bring up the name, what they did in their most recent start. Scott, you tell me where, if anywhere, you would add these players. Brady Singer was at Cleveland, seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, uh, but it looks like his final start is at home against the Twins, and he got rocked by them the last time he faced them. Yeah, he did, but this is, what, four great starts in five, apart from that one. He's not as interesting as the 10 pitchers I listed here. But he's pretty close. He's pretty close. I I could see using him in the final week if I had a need. All right. How about John Lester, who picked up his 200th win of his career on uh, on Monday? So shout out to John Lester. He 
has a 2.27 ERA, a 101 whip over his last six starts. And it looks like he faces, he's at the Cubs later this week, but also at home against the Cubs next week. 34% mm. rostered. Any interest in John Lester? I really can't force myself to be interested. The strikeout rate has been so low during this productive stretch, this six-start stretch, you know, 227 ERA, but also a 496 XFIP. Yeah. I can't roll the dice on that. All right. Uh, Josh Rogers had an awesome start on Tuesday at the Marlins. Seven and two-thirds, one run, four strikeouts. But he is at the Reds later this week, and then it looks like at Boston next week, which is yucky. Yeah, I mean, Josh Rogers, I don't know how he's managed to pull this off to begin his major league career. He throws 90 miles per hour. He had a 441 ERA and 6.3K per nine at triple or in the minor leagues this year. So I don't think he's good, but he's had a few good starts. Oh, right. So we're, we're passing. We're passing yeah. Josh Rogers. All right, uh, Drew Rasmussen. Uh, he was up against Toronto, five innings, two runs, three strikeouts. You know, five innings and two runs or less is now known as the Rasmussen. I, I feel like that's what he does every single time out. He's actually done it in four of his last five starts. Uh, Rasmussen is 30% rostered. And if Boz pitches later this week, then it looks like Rasmussen could line up for two starts in the final week at the Astros, at the Yankees. Obviously, yeah. we don't love those matchups. 30% rostered. What do you think? We don't love those matchups, and Rasmussen is a guy who you know isn't going to give you a quality start. I think a two-star Rasmussen, just because of how reliable he's been, and you know it's, it's an above-average ground ball rate and above-average swinging strike rate to go along with the run prevention there. Uh, I, I could see using him in a two-star week, even knowing he won't give you a quality start, but with those matchups, probably I'd probably shy away from it. All right, we got two more names here. Luke Weaver was up against the Braves, six and two-thirds, five runs. Only three of those were earned. But he did have seven strikeouts and 17 swinging strikes. He's 12% rostered, mm. and it looks like home versus the Rockies next week. So the 17 swinging strikes was a career high for Luke Weaver. I actually looked into that. He's been around since 2016, and that was his career high wow. for swinging strikes in a game. However, since coming back from the IL, he's had two good starts, two bad and he's still Luke Weaver, so I'll pass. All right, and last one is Jake Woodford was at the Brewers. Five shutout. He had five strikeouts, 11 swinging strikes on 84 pitches, and much like his teammate, John Lester, he's at the Cubs later this week, and then it looks like home against the Cubs next week. Jake Woodford, 5% rostered. No thanks. All right, starter sit these pitchers in your championship week. And let's assume 12-team league. Uh, John Means, six straight starts with three earned runs or less. He's got a 2.70 ERA during that stretch, but it comes with a 4.63 XFIP. Looks like he is home against Texas this weekend, but at Toronto next week. Yikes. Yeah, John Means is one of those pitchers who probably is incapable of having a good XFIP. <laughs> You know, unless he sees a big jump in strikeout rate in the years ahead. Um, yeah, I mean, the fact that his only start is at Toronto with all those home run hitters and he's a fly ball pitcher, I think I would pass, even though he's been, you know, he's looked pretty good of late. 
All right, this is probably a slam dunk, easy one for you, but Ranger Suarez, uh, in 10 starts now, has a 1.99 ERA, a 1-2 whip, a 1-2-1 whip, and it looks like he's at Miami next week, so slam yeah. dunk. Yeah, right. slam dunk. Let's go. Ranger Suarez, keep him in there. Framber Valdez, uh, seven shutout on Monday against the Angels with six strikeouts. His sinker velo was actually up 1.4 miles per hour, and he is at Oakland later this week, but then at home against Oakland next week, so... Two starts in a row against a a pretty pesky offense. Would you actually start Valdez next week? Probably. It wouldn't be an automatic start. I'd weigh my options. But in the end, I in most 12-team leagues, he'd prob- I'd probably decide he was one of my five best choices. All right. Uh, Cal Quantrill turned in another quality start. And I don't, I don't really know how he's done it. I mean, he gets a lot of ground balls. He does a good job of limiting hard contact. But... Doesn't get that many ground balls. Kind yeah. of an average ground ball rate. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. He's now down to a 2.82 ERA, and uh, he is home versus the White Sox later this week, but it looks like it would be at Texas next week. He's only 67% started. If he's at Texas, I think that number needs to be higher. It, it'll kind of depend how he does against the White Sox, I think, later this week. See if the the magic runs out, because it does seem like a magic trick he's performed here. But he's been performing it for a long time. And let's see. 10 of 12 quality starts with an ERA well well below two during that 12-start stretch. So, yeah, I, th- I think you should plan on playing him at Texas. All right. Jose Urquidy was at the Angels on Tuesday, five and a third, six hits, four earned runs. He gave up 13 hard-hit balls against that Angels lineup, which is not very good. And it looks like he's home against Oakland next week for one. Yeah, uh, also at Oakland later this week. So that might factor into the decision a little, but probably lean no on Arquiti in most cases. Yep. Uh, We had another clunker from Eduardo Rodriguez, which seems like I've said that a lot this season. Four Mm -hmm. four and a third, Mm -hmm. two runs, three walks, five strikeouts. Uh, He's only 66% started, but it looks like he's at the Orioles at the Nationals next week. Both teams, by the way, are very good against left-handed pitching. Yeah, on a points league, I think you have to do it. If it's a categories league, you know, mm. might consider whether you need the strikeouts and wins or the ERA and whip more. But Eduardo Rodriguez has been arguably the biggest underachiever at starting pitcher this year, even even more so than Aaron Nola, possibly. I think underachiever, just based on what his underlying numbers are, obviously we didn't yeah, that's what I mean. Okay, cool. Yeah, because we didn't have like expectations for Eduardo Rodriguez, at least not big ones uh, coming into the season. Tyler Malley really cannot pitch at home. <laughs> he was uh, home against the Pirates on Tuesday, four and a third, three runs, three walks, six strikeouts. Uh, he is home against the Nationals later this week, so I guess we see how that one goes, but he is at Pittsburgh next week. On the road, I think we do it, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, all right, Trevor Rogers had uh, a, a kind of a mixed bag bounce back here against the Nationals. Five and a third, four runs. Only one of those was earned, but he had 10 swinging strikes, uh, 10 strikeouts, 15 swinging strikes, and his fastball velo was up to 94 uh, 95.4 miles per hour. And it looks like the Marlins play seven games next week, and Trevor Rogers would be at the Mets versus the Phillies. I know I mentioned not using him, but... I was kind of encouraged by this start. Yeah, no, I, it was very encouraging. His 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 season 
had paralleled Carlos Rodon's right up to here at the end, you know, wasn't going even five innings in games. His velocity was down several miles per hour, but the velocity was back up in this start and, you know, they let him go five and a third. They let him have, you know, they let, they let him, they, 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 they let him go like a regular starter would go. And, um, you know, with two starts, at least in theory, two starts the final week. The first would be against the Mets, right? So the first would be the better matchup if he doesn't end up making two. I think uh, I think there's definitely a case to start Trevor Rogers. Last one I've got for you. Nasty Nestor Cortez. He let us down on Monday against Texas. Four and a third, three runs. He did have seven strikeouts. <clears throat> he is at Boston later this week, but it looks like at Toronto next week. So uh, don't yeah, love that. I'd probably shy away from him. Yep. All right, a few leftovers from the past couple days. Salvador Perez hit his 46th home run, breaking the single-season record for most home runs by a catcher, although the Kansas City Royals broadcast did not acknowledge it, and they obviously didn't really care about it, but uh, that's... Not, a, at least not when he it sailed over the fence and he was trotting around the bases. Yeah. It, it was not top of mind for them, which I thought was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it really was. And I know... Like someone tweeted at us that oh once he got back to the dugout they started talking about it because they have producers yeah it's like come (laughs) on man like you're the Kansas City Royals you're you're not playing for anything I don't care if you don't know you don't follow stats or where I mean it's your job like if if there's a milestone coming up you have to know about it and like as soon as that ball goes over the wall I mean you should be freaking out. Yeah. Saying like, oh it's my a, God, it's the biggest is... achievement for the team this year, you know? Yeah, it's an individual achievement, but you know, it's it's obviously uh reflects well. It's something for Royals fans to cheer about. Bad job. Bad job, Royals yeah. broadcasters. Not the Royals, because they put out a bunch of tweets, but didn't didn't enjoy that. Joey, by Ma- the way, worth pointing out, since it came up on Twitter as well. <laughs> 46 home runs, the most hit by a person who plays primarily catcher the most hit by a player actually at the catcher position in a season was javi lopez in 2003 he hit 42 as a catcher he hit 43 overall only 31 of salvador perez's 46 have come at catcher just to just to clarify but you know he was chasing johnny bench who 38 of his 45 years ago came at catcher so that's that seems to be the number people cared about more. Yeah, it's definitely worth mentioning and bringing up. It is a fantastic achievement, nonetheless. 46 home runs uh, for Salvador Perez. Joey Votto had a double dong on Monday. Now up to a, now up to 33 home runs overall for the season. Jazz Chisholm, double dong with a stolen base on Monday in that game. He's now up to 17 homers in 41 games since returning from the IL on July 30th. 247 batting average, six homers, nine steals. That is a 21 homer, 32 steal pace over 150 games for Jazz Chisholm. Someone I'm very interested in for uh, for Roto and category leagues next year. I just I think we just see him taking another step. That's kind of the uh, mm-hmm. the projection, the development that we've seen here for Jazz Chisholm. Uh, Nolan Arenado went two for three with his 33rd home run of the season on Monday. Uh, I mean, we've talked about him. Mean, 255 batting average, but a lot of power. It's 
It's meh from uh, from Nolan Arenado. The Yankees' big boys all went yard on Tuesday. Gallo hit his 38th. Stanton hit his 31st. Aaron Judge hit his 36th home run. Uh, Xander Bogarts hit his 23rd. It's really turned out to be just like an like a pretty good season for Bogarts. Like the overall numbers, he's still like an 880 OPS, which is very good. I, I don't want to downplay that, but like 23 homers based on where he was the first three months of the season, it's it's kind of a letdown for for Xander Bogarts. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel back to back days with a home run. He's hitting 366 with seven home runs in September. Uh, Austin Riley went one for four with his 30th home run of the season. He's also hitting 394 RBI, 82 runs scored. And uh, got to give myself a little bit of a pat on the back here, Scott, because I wrote this back on February 19th. If Riley just couples his new contact approach with his massive power, we could easily see 30-plus home runs with solid counting stats in the Braves lineup. Mm-hmm. I don't do that often. I don't like, you know, whatever, propping up things <laughs> that we write about. Oh, I got this right. You know, we talk about a lot of things that we get wrong here on the podcast, but... It's pretty cool. It's uh, it's pretty cool to get one thing right this year. Uh, although, as much as I liked Riley, I think I drafted him on one of twelve or like fifteen teams. So, good mm-hmm. job, Frank. You you did great. Manny Machado, three for three. Uh, that probably changed since the last time I wrote that, but he did have a double tongue on Tuesday. Kind of a dis. I don't know. Is it a disappointing year for Manny Machado, Scott? Two eighty twos, twenty six homers, twelve steals. I mean, I expected more. Yeah. I, if you had told me this would be a stat line, I don't think I would have used a second round pick on him. So I would say it's disappointing. However, you know, it's, it's, I wouldn't call him a bust. I wouldn't go that far. If you're losing, I don't think Manny Machado is the reason why. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I looked it up beforehand. He's like the 30th ranked player in Roto Leagues this year. So, Ah, that's like pretty close actually to where his ADP was, but uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know that those should necessarily correlate where they are in the roto output and where they should be drafted, but but yeah, I mean, that's higher than I would suspect. I, I'm sure the 12 stolen bases are doing a lot of the lifting there just because stolen bases are so scarce. A few bullpen updates for you. For the Royals on Monday, Scott Barlow gave up a solo home run but picked up his 14th save. For the Tigers on Monday, someone named Alex Lang picked up his first save of the season, and then Michael Fulmer was back out there on Tuesday, got his 11th save. For the Orioles on Monday, Cole Sulcer recorded four outs across the 7th and 8th innings, and then Tyler Wells came on for his third save of the season. For the Cardinals on Monday, Luis Garcia picked up his first save, Giovanni Gallegos has been used a lot recently, and speaking of which, he bounced bounced back on Tuesday with his 11th save for the Cardinals. Uh, for the Mariners, Paul Sewald recorded the final five outs for his ninth save on Monday, and then Drew Steckenrider got his 10th save on Tuesday. Sewald pitched in the eighth, so uh, that is... That is the Mariners. I think, you know, it's going to be Seawald or it's going to be Steckenrider. It's it's usually one of those two at this point in the season. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Wednesday. Ronaldo Lopez at the Tigers. Luis Patino versus the Blue Jays. Carlos Hernandez at Cleveland. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Nationals. Joe Ryan at the Cubs. And Cole Irvin versus the Mariners. Joe Ryan's my favorite here. I think his wrist will be fine. Cole Irvin... Against the Mariners, I like that too. And Carlos Hernandez at Cleveland, I can get behind that. Even though he got he got knocked around in his last start, it ended a 
long stretch of success for him. Streamers for Thursday, Adrian Hauser versus the Cardinals, Kyle Freeland versus the Dodgers. I don't know how to say this person's name, so I'm not even going to say it. He's a pitcher for the Orioles, so we don't want to use that pitcher. Glenn Otto at the Orioles. And then uh, we have Michael Pineda versus the Blue Jays and Alex Cobb versus the Astros. Mm. How do you say that guy's name? Zach Lowther? Lowther? I don't know why you'd consider using him. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I don't love this list, really. It's not great. I mean, I like Cobb, but against the Astros... I mean, Scott, there's there's one very clear start here. 1-800-GLEN-OTTO. Come on. <laughs> Pick up the phone. The call is free. Play it safe. No, skip auto. <laughs> Sorry. Skip auto. Don't want to do them. Uh, yeah, I don't... Anybody here? Uh, I mean, Adrian Hauser against the Cardinals. I could see that going okay. Uh, honestly, yeah, if you're forcing me to pick one, I think I'd still pick Alex Cobb against the Astros. But you know, I don't really want to do that. No, we do not. Let's wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball. Today we'll be back again on Friday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.